0: Morning. It is good to be here with you this morning as we dive back into the book of Ruth. I hope that you guys are excited. We finally are going to get um, to Boaz actually doing something instead of just talking about him. So that's exciting. Um, So last week we made it through the first three verses of Ruth uh, chapter 2. But it's my goal today to finish the, the first encounter of Ruth and Boaz. Um, so to get through all of, of verse 13, and then next week we will finish chapter 2. Um, but just, just as a reminder of what has happened so far, um, l- last week we sp- focused less on the people of the story of, of Ruth and Na- Naomi and Boaz, and more on the circumstance of the narrative. Um, we, we talked about how um, Ruth took the initiative to go out and, and to glean in the field, it was it was her idea to go out and find a field where she could find favor in the eyes of the landowner and, and glean behind the harvesters. Um, so, so Ruth went out to provide for herself and Naomi. But the narrator doesn't allow us to only focus on Ruth's hard work and Ruth's initiative, but also that, that, this, is no divine, or that this is no mere chance but divine providence to guide Ruth to this particular field at this particular time. And, and, and it's, an, it's an awesome blending of human responsibility and, and divine providence. And, and so we're, we're going to see how that carries on through this. But we're going to focus primarily this week on Boaz and a little bit on Ruth. But I, I want us to really pay attention to what Boaz is doing in this um, these ten verses that we're going to look at. But we're going we're to start. Just follow along with me as I read. We're going to start in... Um, Ruth 1, um, 22, actually, as we read through um, this story. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me, go in, or let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained there from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along with the after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, "Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner?" Boaz replied. I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Let's pray. Father God, we we come before you just so thankful um, for your word to us, Lord, that, that you chose to reveal yourself to us um, through the scriptures, Lord, and I just pray that you will open our hearts um, t- to hear the, the truth from your word, Lord, and I pray that you will use me to, to speak that truth. Um, and that that we will all just be convicted of what we hear, um, and that we will just have a desire to seek you and to follow you, Lord. We ask all these things in your Son, Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's, let's jump back up um, to the start, um, Ruth 2, 4. So we see Boaz arriving from Bethlehem and greeting the harvesters, and, th- and this is the first time we see Boaz do anything. But we read in verse 1 that Boaz was a man of standing. Um, And this Hebrew phrase can also be translated a mighty man of valor. Um, He was was an important guy. Um, This phrase carries the connotation that Boaz was was a big deal. He he was a worthy man, a a hero, the kind kind of man that great stories are written about. And and now we get to see Boaz in person. Um, but I, I would be remiss if I were to just gloss over the, the coincidence of Boaz just happening to arrive in the field to see, Na- or to see Ruth at that time. It, he, he just happens, just then, as Ruth just happens to be in the field nearby, Boaz just happens to arrive and see this woman who he doesn't recognize, um, but we'll, we'll follow along with that later. But Boaz greets his harvesters as any good and faithful landowner would do. He, He initiates this greeting with them, the Lord be with you. And this is only two words in Hebrew, but they're profound words. Especially when you remember that this is happening during the time of the judges, where very few people are following the Lord. That Boaz would greet them, the Lord be with you, shows his faithfulness. Um, we, we don't see this kind of thing very often in judges. And, and this just shows that Boaz is demonstrating his character, his faithfulness. Um, th- this is a positive working environment that we find ourselves in right now. Um, and this is an important thing because I'm sure that most of us in this room know what it's like to work in a not positive working environment. It, it's very easy to... To to be discouraged when you're surrounded by negativity, when 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 you feel like you're alone, and 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 you, it's just so easy to to let it bring you down, when when all you hear is negativity, negativity, negativity. But Boaz here is is bringing this positivity, this the Lord be with you, this blessing, and it's not something that should be overlooked. And then his workers, they reply appropriately, The Lord bless you. Now, this is a more traditional blessing that we see in, in the Old Testament. Notably, it's how um, the Aaronic blessing in Numbers 6.24 begins. The Lord bless you. And, and it's, it's this beautiful picture of mutual respect and adoration between the, the landowner, the employer, the employer. And, and the harvesters, the employees, and, and they, they love and they care for one another, and th- there is respect, and it's, it's a beautiful thing that Boaz has instituted in his fields. And, and it seems like this is not just the first time this is happening. This is almost the standard greeting. Boaz arrives and says, the Lord be with you, and they, they reply back, the Lord bless you. And, and it's just a, it's a beautiful picture of the way it's supposed to be. Between the landowner and his employees. But let's keep moving on. Boaz asked one of the harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? And this shows that Boaz is familiar with his workers. Familiar enough with them to notice somebody who doesn't belong. He, He sees Ruth and he instantly knows Ruth is not one of the normal people in this field. And so he asks about her, who does she belong to? And and this is the first hint we're given to Boaz's age. We're going to learn as we progress through this book that Boaz is an older man. Um, But he says, who does this young woman belong to? And and the foreman actually replies back using that same phrase. It's it's dropped in the NIV and in several translations, actually. The overseer replies, she is the Moabite who came back from the fields of Moab with Naomi. What it should read is, she is the young Moabite woman who came back from the fields with Moaz. Because that same phrase is there emphasizing that Ruth is a young woman. But we, we, we keep going on to see that the narrator wants us to see Ruth, Ruth is this young woman making her loyalty and her commitment to Naomi all the more impressive. If, if you go back and look at what Ruth says to Naomi... Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. Na- Ruth is young. Naomi's not, but Ruth is young, and she's committing to live the rest of her days in this place where Naomi leads her. And, and that's, a, that's a big deal. But we don't want to talk about Ruth right now. We're focusing on Boaz. Um, Boaz says, who, who does she belong to? Now, he's not asking whose servant is she or whose slave is he, but... More likely, he's asking, who, who, whose wife or daughter is she? What, what clan does she belong to? Who is she associated with? Boaz wants to know more about her. And so he learns that she is the young Moabite woman who came back from the fields of Moab with Naomi. And so she has, she has returned from the fields of Moaz, and now she finds herself in the fields of Boaz. Now, your your translation probably doesn't say fields of Moab, but it should be there. So remember, every time you see Moab just by itself, think to yourself, fields of Moab. But but she has come there, and and it's a a beautiful thing that the narrator is setting up. That she has left the fields of Moab behind and is now in the fields of Boaz. But she's identified as the Moabite who returned With Naomi. And this is a really important moment because it's the last time until chapter 4 that Ruth is called the Moabite. And it's fitting because it's for the very first time Ruth the Moabite is blended with her new identity as an Israelite. She is Ruth the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. So to answer your question, Boaz, who does she belong to? She belongs to Naomi. She belongs to the clan of Elimelech. She is Ruth the Moabite of the clan of Elimelech, daughter-in-law to Naomi, widow of Malon, kinsman of Boaz. This is the first sign of Ruth belonging to the people of Israel. Now she made the pledge back in chapter 1. But this this is the first time that we see the narrator saying she belongs to the people of Israel. And we're going to see in the next couple of verses that there are people in town who know what Ruth has done for Naomi. Boaz is one of them because he says he knows what has happened. But, But this is a powerful reminder that she is a Moabite who has become... Heart of the children of Israel. This Moabite is special. This young Moabite woman belongs to Naomi. And then the foreman recalls the conversation that he has with Ruth. She said, "Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters." She she came into the field and has worked non-stop except for a short rest. So so Ruth, she asked the foreman can I have permission to glean and gather in the field behind the harvesters? Now, the NIV is a little confusing here because it says gather among the sheaves, which could imply that Ruth is asking for permission to go and take grain from the sheaves that the harvesters have already gathered together, which would be an extremely bold request. That, that, that's far overstepping her status as a foreigner and far exceeding what the law of God commanded the people to do. But it's more likely she's asking if she can glean and gather into sheaves behind the harvesters. She doesn't want to go and take from what the harvesters have already done. She wants to follow behind them and pick up what they've left and then gather that into sheaves or into bundles to take home to her mother-in-law, which is a much more reasonable request. But then he takes note of her work ethic. She, she has been working from the moment she came into this field until now. She, she has been working nonstop. She's worked hard enough that the foreman has taken note of it. It, it. It's not like she's just been, you know, kind of wandering around in the field, picking up here and there. No, she has been working hard hard enough that this this professional worker has seen her and said, yeah, she's, she's been working nonstop. And, and, and this last phrase is is kind of ambiguous. The NIV translates it, um, except for a short rest in the shelter. Um, most Bible translations say something similar. Some, some will say the field has been her house, emphasizing that she has stayed there this whole time. It's been her residence. Um, Some will say something, they'll drop house altogether and say she has just been, she stopped only for a moment. Um, We we aren't 100% sure what this is supposed to mean, but it really doesn't matter because the point of this is Ruth is working hard. No matter how we render that last phrase, Ruth is working hard all day from morning until now. And one commentator put it, no matter how we translate it, we are left admitting that any explanation is a guess. Because it's, it's just kind of an ambiguous phrase. But what we need to know about Ruth is she is laboring hard. She, she has worked hard to provide for herself and her mother-in-law. So then we get to verses 8 and 9 where Boaz goes and talks to Ruth. She says, he says, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water, of the jars the men have filled. And so, finally, in verse 8, we see Boaz interact with Ruth, and he calls her my daughter, my daughter, stay here. And this, again, emphasizes the age difference between Boaz, the, the older man, the man of standing, and Ruth, the young Moabite woman. And Boaz. He calls her my daughter, and this is a term of endearment. It's not patronizing. It's, he's approaching her as a loving, protective father would approach his daughter. And, and, and Boaz, is what he's doing here is he's breaking down social barriers between himself and Ruth. This is a big deal that Boaz, this wealthy, well-known landowner would go and approach this, this young foreigner gleaning in his fields. Th- this is a big deal. Ruth is a Moabite, and he knows it, and so does all of the town. And Ruth has not yet built up the reputation that she will have by the end of this book. And, and it's true that Boaz is going to say some nice things about her. There, there The the reputation is is there, the foundation is there, but it's not quite what it will be at the end. And normally, this wouldn't happen. The landowner wouldn't go and do this. And Ruth recognizes it. And so, just, just pay attention to the dialogue here. Boaz, when he speaks to Ruth, gives long statements. Ruth's responses are short and concise and humble. She, she, she says something and, and gets, gets it out of the way because she recognizes her status, her station, and, and does not want to overstep here. She understands the social dynamics at play. But let's look at the dialogue between these two. Boaz says, stay in the field. Stay with the women who work for me. Now, stay here is really a weak translation. This is the same word that... Ruth uses, or that the narrator uses in Ruth 1.14 to describe Ruth clinging to Naomi. And so she, she needs to stick with them. Boaz is saying, don't get separated from them. Stick with them, grab hold of them, stay close to these women. And watch where the men are harvesting and follow along with my regular female servants. Then he says, you don't have to worry about any of the men bothering you because I have told them not to touch you. And then he says, if you are thirsty, you can go and drink from the water jars that the men have filled. There's a lot to unpack here, and I'm going to try and be quick by just hitting the main points here. Boaz is offering Ruth two things, protection and provision. The two things that a husband would offer his wife and family. He tells Ruth to stay in his fields. Pay attention to where my harvesters, my men, are harvesting so that you don't accidentally wander into another person's field. Pay attention to where they're going. Stay in this field. Stay with the women who are working in my fields. You don't need to go anywhere else to glean. You are going to find all that you need to provide for yourself and Naomi in my fields. So, so he, he's providing for her, but he's also protecting her. She doesn't need to put herself at risk by going into another person's field. Stay in mind, you're going to be safe. And then he goes a step further by saying he has told the men to leave her alone. Don't touch her. She, she could have easily been harassed or sexually abused. She, she was alone. She has no husband, no son to, to care for her. But Boaz is saying... I have told them not to touch you. Boaz has instituted an anti-sexual harassment policy in his fields. He said, leave Ruth alone. But then it's this last statement that really sets apart what Boaz is doing for Ruth. He says, if you are thirsty, go and drink water from the jars that the men have drawn. Now, typically in this culture, foreigners... Would draw water for Israelites. And women would draw water for men. So, what Boaz is doing for Ruth is incredibly countercultural, saying, Ruth, you can go and drink the water that the men have drawn. This is so far and above typical kindness. Boaz is demonstrating our theme word for the book of Ruth, Hesed. This covenant faithfulness, loyalty, kindness, goodness. All of the positive attributes of God. Boaz is putting them on display towards Ruth. And Ruth sees it and she understands it. And so she replies appropriately. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me, a foreigner? Ruth's reaction is... Is humility. She, she throws herself on the ground at his feet. The, the, her, her humility is astounding. And this is actually the Hebrew word that's often translated as worship. Now Ruth isn't worshiping Boaz in the way that we worship God. But, but she's throwing herself at the feet of Boaz in, in humility. She is submitting to him in gratitude for the grace that she has been shown. And then she says, Why? Why have you been so kind to me? Why have I found favor in your eyes? Which is interesting because it's the same word that Ruth says. She's going to go out and look for this. I'm, in, in verse 2, she says, I'm going to go and look for someone who will show me favor and let me glean in the field. But this, this favor, this grace that she has found from Boaz is so far and above anything she could have asked for or expected. And so she says, Why have you noticed me a foreigner? And this time it's it's Ruth who's bringing up her past. Ruth Ruth is saying, I understand that I am a foreigner, a a stranger in this land. Why are you treating me this way? She's not confused about her status in Israel, that she is the low person on the totem pole. But. And, and so she's astonished. And sh- so she, she asks Boaz, why would you put me on this status? Why would you treat me like one of your Israelite servants? Why would you do any of this for me? And Boaz answers in verses 11 and 12. He says, I've been told what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. Boaz says, there are two reasons why I'm treating you this way. The first is her incredible and unwavering kindness and faithfulness to Naomi. Boaz knows how Ruth has cared for Naomi, how she has committed to her, how, how she has left everything behind to go and to serve Naomi, to take care of her. Ruth has shown her incredible Kindness. And now Boaz is seeing with her, his own eyes that Ruth is out here in the fields gleaning so that she can bring home food to Naomi. So the first reason is Ruth's incredible kindness. And the second reason is her astonishing courage. It, it takes courage to leave your homeland behind and to come to a place in a people you do not know. It's no small thing to do this. And A few weeks ago, we had the Motskis here, and they're preparing to do that. They're preparing to leave all of their family behind and travel across the world to preach the gospel. And, and this takes a great deal of courage. It's the kind of courage that often puts us to shame. Because we get scared to stand up for what we believe in. We fear what it might cost us to speak the truth. Will we lose our friends, our family, our jobs? Will people think of me differently? We frequently let opportunities to share the gospel go by. To to invite someone to church. To love as Christ loved. We let these opportunities slip through our fingers because we are afraid. And yet we read about people like Ruth who are so committed to what they cared about that they left everything else behind for that one thing. And that's how the New Testament talks about the kingdom of God leave everything else behind for this one thing. And we see this courage on display. And Boaz understands Ruth's an incredible woman. Her kindness and courage are worthy of praise. And so Boaz treats Ruth with favor. He shows her grace. He grants her dignity. And then he goes a step further. He blesses her. Boaz says, may the Lord repay you for what you have done May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, there are three clauses in this blessing that I want to focus on. First, the the initial blessing, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. And this is a very common thought process. You reap what you sow. And so, the idea of the Lord repaying those who transgress against him, those who who commit evil, they will be repaid with wrath. But then the opposite of true. Those, those who live faithfully, who serve the Lord, the Lord will also repay them with blessing. And, and that is what Boaz is saying here. May the Lord repay you for all of the good that you have done. That's what his prayer for Ruth is. May you be richly rewarded. That leads us into the second clause. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel. And he he specifically says Yahweh, the God of Israel. May you be blessed by him. And then he makes an incredibly important statement to close us out. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, this picture of, of the wings of, of God is important. This picture of God as a bird protecting its young. We, we, we see this throughout the Old Testament. Um, the two notable ones that I'm not going to read are Psalm 91.4 and Deuteronomy 32.11. I'll, I'll say those again because I didn't put them on the screen. Um, Psalm ninety-one four in Deuteronomy thirty-two eleven. We're, we're not going to go to them um, or look them up, or read them right now, but look them both up um, this afternoon. They're they're both beautiful psalms of praise to our great God, and both of them portray the wonderful picture of sheltering under the wings of Yahweh of God, and that is the picture that we are getting here. Boaz is pronouncing that Ruth has come to shelter under the wings of God. And I intentionally used this language back in chapter 1, verse 16, when Ruth told Naomi, your God will be my God. If she hadn't done it before then, right then, in this moment, Ruth, talking to Naomi, she is throwing herself at the mercy and grace of Yahweh, God Almighty, and she is taking shelter under His wings. And this is primarily what Boaz is talking about, that Ruth has forsaken the gods of Moab and has embraced Yahweh as the one true God, the one with whom she will seek protection and provision. But don't miss what's happening here as they're speaking in this field, because this is awesome. Ruth has set out to glean in the fields as God has commanded his people to permit. And she has found herself in the fields of Boaz. And I love this picture. Ruth has left the fields of Moab to seek protection and provision under the wings of Yahweh. And she finds that protection and provision in the fields of Boaz. Boaz is the means in which the Lord has chosen to, or the Lord has chosen to use to protect and provide for Ruth. The Lord directed her to this field, to this man, to show her grace and mercy and kindness. Today, it's a common thing for Christians today to talk about how we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, in this text, Boaz is the wings of God. She set out to shelter under the wings of Yahweh, the God of Israel. And she is finding shelter, comfort, and provision under the wings of Boaz. And you can't write a better story than this. It's beautiful. And we're going to continue to see this theme play out throughout the rest of this book. And and I wish that we could just stay here and go through the whole thing right now. Um, Because I, I just love this picture so much. And, and Ruth is, is astonished. It, it floors Ruth what's happening here. And in verse 13, she says, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not, do not have the standing of one of your servants. And, and Ruth responds humbly again. And, and this first clause is, is, is kind of redundant, the way it's written. May I continue to find favor in your eyes. Because Boaz has just said that he's going to continue to show her favor. But it's more a phrase of, of gratitude. We, we could understand this as her saying, you have been gracious to me or you have been kind to me. Um, it, it's Ruth thanking him for what he has done for her. And then she says that she has been comforted. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to me. And this sheds light into her thought process that day when she left the house to go and find a field to glean in she was decidedly not at ease she was nervous she was scared and yet because boaz has been kind to her she is now comforted she is now at ease she is no longer worried about what may happen to her and i think that most of us can relate to this feeling i know that i can to, to, to get so worked up about something, to be so anxious about how something is going to work out. You, you, you have this huge obstacle in front of you and you just have no idea how it's going to work out. How could we possibly get through this? And then that moment comes where you see the Lord work it out. And it's just a huge weight. Lifted from your shoulders. That's what Ruth is saying here. Because of what Boaz has said and done for her, her mind is at ease. She has found shelter under the wings of God in the person of Boaz. And and this is amazing. It's, it's, It's a beautiful thing to see this take place. And so in closing, I just want to draw a couple of applications. One from the perspective of Ruth, and then another one from from the perspective of Boaz. And so right now, if you are relating to Ruth, I want to offer you some hope. Because you can always shelter under the wings of God. He is our great refuge. As Martin Luther wrote, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. No matter what the enemy throws our way, we have a fortress he cannot breach. There is no place more secure for God's children than under his wings. So if you are struggling, if you have a bad diagnosis, If you have anxiety over money, over work, over relationships, over anything. If you're just struggling to keep your head above water. Shelter under his wings. Throw yourself at his feet. Cast all your cares on him. And trust that the Lord of all will do what is right for his children. That he is a loving father. And I know that sometimes, all the time, it is easier to say that than to do that. And sometimes I struggle with it myself. This last year and a half have been brutal. And I know not just for me, for probably all of us. We have gone through a difficult time. And I don't know if you remember, but last February, Courtney and I and Pastor Paul and Jill, we went to... Um, the pastor's conference in, in Minneapolis. And I, I remember the feeling that we had there as, as we sat praying and, and, and talking about this church here in Sheboygan. And what, what the future held for this congregation. And little did we know that over a month later, everything would be shut down for COVID. And, and we would just be thrown into all of these new challenges of, of trying to minister when we don't see people. And, and, and all of the other things that just went along with COVID. And then by, at the end of the year, Pastor Paul announced that he was leaving. And, and I was feeling that God was telling me that it was time for me to transition away from youth ministry. And I had this anxiety about what that would mean. And I remember we were actually in the youth room having our deacon meeting. And my knees are shaking as I'm getting ready to tell the deacons that I'm planning on resigning. And I think that my knees were shaking even more when I stood in this room and I told the congregation that I was leaving, because it it was a difficult thing. And and I at that time I didn't even have another job. I didn't know what the Lord was going to bring me to. And it was just so hard. And I was applying for jobs and I didn't hear anything back. And I was just like, what does God have for me? Am am I making a mistake? What what should I do? And then I got this job working as a behavior tech and I, I fell in love with it. I love doing it. And it was just this weight lifted off of my shoulders. Knowing that the Lord would provide for me and he wouldn't just provide for me, he would lead me where he wanted me to be. And, and through all, I, I, I trusted that the Lord would direct me, but there, there was still so much unease through it all. And, and this is true for all of us. We, we don't always know where the Lord is going to lead us, especially through difficult times, when doors continue to close and close and close. But we trust that the Lord will bring us to the door He wants us to walk through. He is our shelter, our fortress, our rest. And we can trust in Him. And that is what Ruth did. Ruth trusted God and she took shelter under His wings. And she found herself in the fields of Boaz where God met every one of her needs. We can find Shelter in the Lord. He is our refuge. And if you have never done this, if you have never trusted the Lord for your salvation, if, if He is not your shelter, I would implore you to do that now. Because it is the only place on this earth where you can find rest, where you can find peace. And now for those who find yourself in the position of Boaz. Maybe all of the things that I just described, you're like, well, that's not how I'm feeling right now. Well, you're in luck because I'm going to talk to you now. If you are comfortable, if you are healthy, and you are able to help those who are in need, I would ask you, are you allowing God to use you? Are you actively looking for ways to bless those who are in need? Are you seeking out ways that God can use you as his wings, as his hands, as his feet? Because it is not enough to just be thankful for what God has given you. God has blessed you and he has put you in a position so that you can extend grace and favor to those around you. And this is a huge part of about what it means to be a Christian. We saw it right away in the book of Acts. As soon as the church was formed, they started selling possessions to meet the needs of those less fortunate than they. They started to take care of one another. They ate together, they prayed for one another, and they blessed one another. And Boaz understood rightly that God had blessed him so that he could be a blessing to those around him. And so I would challenge you to do this. To don't just sit there in your comfort thanking the Lord for blessing you. But look for ways that you can bless those around you. And honestly, there are probably many of us in this room who can relate to both Ruth and Boaz right now. We we have this anxiety. We have these fears of the future. We don't know where the Lord is going to lead us. And we need to shelter under His wings. But at the very same time, He has blessed us and has put us in positions to help others. And that is the beauty of Of the church. That we rejoice with those who rejoice. And we weep with those who weep. And we walk through our messy lives together. Encouraging and supporting and loving one another. All along the way. And the book of Ruth points us to these beautiful truths. And I hope that you see them. And I hope that you cherish them, and I hope that you will act upon them. Because that is what the church is all about. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come before you so thankful for all that you do for us. Lord, we thank you that we can shelter under your wings, that there is no first go to you that we will cast these things upon you, Lord. And I also thank you for the blessings in our lives that you have taken care of us already and that you will continue to take care of us, Lord. And I just pray that you will work in our hearts that we will seek to find ways to bless others, that we will take care of one another and that we will reflect your love in our interactions with one another. We ask all these things in your Son, Jesus' name.